It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to WSB. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Green and Growing for the next hour. Ashley Frasca along with you and then Dave Baker. I heard from a little birdie that may be a special day for Dave Baker, but we'll let him get into that. He's on with the Home Fix It show from 9 to 1130. A little bit of an abbreviated show for him today because UGA tailgate show pregame show comes on at 1130 right here on your home of the dogs. Of course, that's kickoff against the Tennessee Volunteers game at 330 today. And you can get all of that coverage right here on your radio. I hope you're with us all day. 404-872-0750. Someone who's not with us all day, but I am thankful he will have been with us for an hour and a half of the show today. Lance Walheim, garden expert, author, and with Bio Advance. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lance. My pleasure, Ashley. Thanks for having me. And you know so much, it's hard to cram it into this short time together, but Lawn Care for Dummies is just one of the many books that you've written. Kind of tell folks what to expect with with something that would dummy in the title, but it's actually going to make us feel a whole lot smarter. <laughs> well, you know, I was a, a little bit more intimidated when mm-hmm. we started to agree to write these books because um, I come from a more science background and the Dummies books has, you know, has a lot of fun and makes it easy. But once I got into writing it and kind of pushed the rules aside, we had a lot of fun with it. I mean, especially with uh, how people feel about their lawns. I mean, you know, the guy's got to have the best lawn on the front street. We can, <laughs> right. we can play that, play with that. And same with rose growers. When we did roses for dum- roses for dummies, we can we can tease them a little bit and. Um, but the basics was there. All the information was in the books, and they were really well received. You know, and I want to ask you, talking about having the, I don't know if people still do yard of the month, but yeah, like when you just said having the best uh, lawn in the neighborhood, you know, that's something for many people. That got me thinking something I read recently, and I would love to get your take on this, and then we're going to talk to Judy in Woodstock. Uh, the New York Times put out an article, and I have since, Lance, heard, um, um, public service announcements on radio for this very same thing. And I just wanted to get your take. So a smarter fall cleanup and why it may be aggressive to remove fallen leaves from your landscape and the folks who are advocating may be leaving that because it's kind of a biodiverse environment. You know, you've got insects that can live in there and it may be better to leave the leaves on your lawn. What say you? I say I'm all for it. Not necessarily on the lawn. The problem with the leaving them on the lawn um, is that it can smother the grass um, and cause problems. Um, I, what I like to do is just rake the leaves off the lawn or run over the lawn with a lawnmower, get them crushed up. But it's the perfect mulch for flower beds or around trees. Um, but to leave them on the lawns, um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, a little bit would be okay, but I think too much is going to cause you problems. So we do maybe want to keep some of those leaves and things that we've raked, just move them into other areas in the landscape, but definitely don't bag and remove. Yeah, I use them in the landscape. It's the same way when you're, you know, we've totally changed our attitude about leaving lawn clippings on the lawn. You know, we've got mulching mowers now, and we found out that, you know, if you leave those lawn clippings on the grass, if you're mowing frequently, that it adds nitrogen and organic matter to the lawn, and it's a good thing. And we definitely don't want to fill the landfills with, um, 
you know, lawn clippings, that's for sure. So if you're taking good care of your lawn, you're mowing it frequently, or you've got a mulching mower that clips and clips and clips the clips, then um, you're in good shape. Leave them on the lawn. Um, you know, from an environmental standpoint also, um, what we were talking about earlier and the life, the shelf life of different pesticides and things, it's, it's also important to emphasize that um, you properly dispose of any insecticide or anything that you haven't used properly. You can call your local cooperative extension or your city disposal company. Um, a lot of communities will have um, drop-off days, but make sure you dispose of them correctly so they don't end up in the environment. Great advice and really something that gardeners need to be wary of. You're absolutely right, Lance. All right, well, we've got a good, a good few uh, calls before we let you go. So holding patiently up in Cherokee County this morning, Judy, hey, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you. How are you? I am great, and I love what you've got. I love the plant that you're calling about. Yes. Um, I dug it up at an old home site probably about 25 years ago, so it has spread all over my yard, and I just really do not do anything to it. I have someone working on my home. Um, they live like a mile north of me, and this is the only time they'll ever be there, and they want some of it. So I told them they could dig it up, but I wasn't sure if they could transplant it right now. So I was just wondering what your opinion was. And what you're talking about is red spider lily, right? That is correct. Also known as naked ladies. We know that, Lance. So that what's your correct. what's your advice on sharing those? Yeah, I'd say go ahead and transplant them. I mean, it, especially with something that, that spreads so nicely. Um, you like to um, transplant them when they're, when they're dormant. But if you've got a situation where you're going to be doing some construction or anything like that and you just have to get them out of the way, go ahead and do them. They're pretty tough. And yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and mark them too, Judy, because it's such a pleasant surprise for folks who didn't remember putting them there or they just got there by happy accident or something when those pop up. And what we're talking about with these lilies, folks, is just that tall green stem, no leaves, and just this cool little funky red flower on top. So definitely mark them, and that way you know where to expect them to come back next year. Yeah, yeah I have nice them all over flower. my yard. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure on Monday they'll be excited to hear that. Yeah, sharing sharing plants, Lance and Judy, that gives us so much joy, right? Sharing our successes with our neighbors and our friends. I love that. Absolutely. All right, thanks for the call, Lance. I'm going to grab you for one more. Jan in Milledgeville. Hey, you're on WSB. Thank you. Good morning. Hey. Um, I have two huge, by easily 35 by 35 inch uh, coleus plants. We keep them in our back porch during the summer, and that's probably why they've grown so huge and beautiful. I mean, they're gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But they are annuals here, which I know, and we have a room attached to our home that we bring all our annuals into in the winter. Can we, they're so big, though, that room isn't so big. And can we cut them back fairly extensively before we bring them in the house this fall? What will, the do, what will that do with a coleus? Is it okay? What do you think, coleus, Lance, for here in the coleus southeast? Coleus can be cut back uh, pretty hard. I wouldn't cut them back to nothing, of course. But, oh, no, you know, if we you're wouldn't. From, yeah, if you're familiar with the coleus, you're probably picking the flowers off them anyway. So you can cut them back probably by, uh, I wouldn't be afraid to cut them back by half. And, and they, they'll come back as long as they're in a, a protected area. They like it a little right. bit warm, of course. but. I, I, you know, the other thing you can do, of course, is coleuses root really easily. So you could root some cuttings, whether you're cutting back, just as kind of a backup. 
that's what I was going to ask you. That was my second question. So just cut those little rootings, put them in a like a container of just water, or does it have to be dirt or? They'll they root in water, but I think it's it's okay. almost better to do it in dirt. If you just put some in a in a jar and water in a sunny window, those those will root. Um, sure. You want to make sure you take the you make your cuttings um, right through a leaf node. That's where the roots are going to come from. They root really easily. I've never had any problems with them. If you're going to do it in soil, make sure the soil's moist um, and keep them moist. You might want to put a little plastic o- a bag over them just to keep the humidity up. But you know even even rooting them in water and then transplanting them into the soil will work, too. Thank you for the call, Jan. And for folks who may not know what coleus is, what a bright, wonderful, colorful plant that we love in summer and early fall landscapes. And Google it or just take a trip to Pike Nursery and go look for coleus. That is something that's always fun. Well, Lance, just a few more moments with you. And folks need to get on bioadvanced.com to see some of the products we've mentioned on the show and how you can really be empowered to use things the, these things properly in your landscape. I couldn't let it go without saying one of my favorite bio-advanced things for the lawn is the three-in-one weed and feed for southern lawn. Oh, oh my goodness, especially having fescue and needing that kind of pre-emergent treatment, yet, you know, fertilizer to feed the lawn. That's really one of one of my favorites. Well, right, well the three-in-one weed and feed is for southern lawns, so that means warm season grasses. So it's not labeled for fescue lawns, so that's important to know. Um, it is it is for um, zoysia, Bermuda grass, St. Augustine, and centipede. Okay, and we can see all of the shop all the products there when you click at the top of the page. Lawn, garden, just a little bit of everything. But I wanted to give you a minute here, Lance, to talk about the Solution Center and how folks can really educate themselves using that portion of the website. Well, that's right. We're, that's something we're really proud of. We've got a lot of information on the website. I write stories for it all the time um, on all different subjects. But the Solution Finder is really designed to help people find the right product, but also to identify the pest, the weed, or the disease that they have. So we've got a lot of great photographs, descriptions. They can search through it. And then we'll recommend specific products um, to control the pest. Or, or whatever you have. So it, it's really a powerful tool. And, you know, for most gardeners, especially beginners, getting the proper identification um, is difficult. So this will help you, and you can then talk to your nurseryman or, or use our recommendations right there on the site. But, yeah, it's really a useful tool. Very, very good website, not just for shopping, but also for, yes, garden articles and, and more knowledge and education there. Well, Lance Walheim, garden expert at BioAdvanced, I'm really glad you uh, graced myself and the listeners with your presence. You've been so wonderful and so helpful today, and we hope to have you back. What would be a good time of year, perhaps spring when we're kind of reinvigorated again? Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to be back on, Ashley. Thanks right. very much. Well, have a good weekend, and thanks so much for being part of the show. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thank you. I always love bringing all of you experts to the show that can help me answer your questions. And Lance came with some great advice today. So 404-872-0750. We'll be back with more of your calls. And at the bottom of the hour, Pike Nursery and what to plant this weekend. Stay tuned.
Really grateful to Lance Walheim for being a part of the show today and all of you as well. 404-872-0750. We still have time for calls. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour, I'll have Jordan Seals with Pike Nursery to share some exciting news with you, something that many of you are going to want to try to grow for for sure. But first, a weather update from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz and, and brought to you by Finley Roofing. You're waking up to scattered showers today. A thunderstorm is possible. Highs only in the mid-70s. Lows around 68, 67 degrees. And then tomorrow, much the same. Scattered showers and thunder showers. High of almost 80. Green and growing! Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. It's been a while since we've updated this. So, yeah, things you can start to think about doing this week. It may not be best in the rain for the weekend, but if you're refreshing flower beds, raise the plants a few inches to ensure good drainage and apply mulch. That's always so important because seasonal color beds require maintenance and just a high demand for water. So good mulch is going to help regulate that. And sanitize by removing dead or diseased foliage. Just tidying everything up now is a great time to do that. Number two, planting spring bulbs in the fall. That's happening soon if you haven't done it already. And if you can't get around to doing it in late October, beginning of November, you have to store them and store them in an area that stays cooler than 65 degrees. Generally here, what we try to go based on is don't plant before November 1st, but I think you're safe if you've already done it. As far as storage, most spring flowering bulbs, they require like a 12 to 16 week cold period in ventilated packaging. And a lot of you put them in the bottom of the refrigerator before planting, and that's okay. But check with the bulb supplier to determine whether the bulbs that you've purchased, if they've been pre-cooled or not. And that kind of answers that question of whether or not you need to refrigerate. And a special guest for number three. So I'm Michael Cowan from the Dunwoody Nature Center, and I wanted to encourage you to spend some time this weekend removing the invasive plants, especially the English ivy, the common Japanese wisteria or Chinese wisteria. It kills our trees. And I don't know who puts up those signs that says English ivy kills trees, but it really does. And it also, it's a snake habitat and a rat habitat. And if you would get rid of your ivy, you wouldn't have to spray for mosquitoes. And if you're careful of the snakes and other things as well, manual removal, it is going to be some tough work, but I recommend doing that. I really got busy a few months ago trying to remove English ivy from rhododendrons that it has just overtaken. So Michael Cowan, Executive Director of the Dunwoody Nature Center, thanks for that tip. I hope to get more from uh, gardeners who know much more than me and kind of sprinkle those in the show for you from time to time. All right, your calls, Marjorie in Douglasville about orchids. Can't wait to talk about that. Brenda and McDonough. Ants and her soil and what to do in Sheila and Alpharetta, pre-emergent for chickweed. So we will answer all of those questions in Pike Nursery coming up here on Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. So much great information shared on the show this morning and a lot more calls to go. Welcome to the last half hour of Green and Growing and Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It show. That coming up 9 to 11.30, a little abbreviated today to make room for the UGA tailgate show at 11.30 and of course kick off against the Tennessee Volunteers at 3.30. All of that action is right here on your Home of the Dogs. 
404-872-0750. This is the time of day that Pike Nursery joins us. And today we are joined by Jordan Seals, the store manager of the Roswell location. Hey, Jordan, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. How you doing? Great. Good to have you back. And tell folks where your store is located in North Fulton County. Uh, my store is located in the Crossville Shopping Center um, off Highway 92. How many Roswell High School students do we think we could get really excited about gardening and get in there and buy some stuff? Oh, I'm sure we can get a, a whole class of them. There, there, there's a lot of them come through the stores on a daily basis. We see a lot of high school kids around here. I love it. And there's so much to see and just so much to browse in the Pike Nursery locations. If some of you have never been, you definitely need to check it out. And we're getting into fall, which is a really busy time. So my focus, too, of the show today, Jordan, has just really been encouraging folks to plant. Plant trees and plant shrubs. And that's exactly what we're talking about today because, hey, it's apple season, right? Yes, ma'am, it is. So we talked about uh, with the Georgia Forestry Commission driving up and seeing some of the leaf change and the color change in North Georgia. And also, if you're up that way, a lot of the apple farms up there, that is something that's so much fun to do with the family. But you don't have to go to North Georgia. You can have apples right in your backyard. Tell us what types of apple trees Pike Nursery has and that are best to grow for this area, Jordan. So I'm going to talk about a few different varieties, and, and the, the key thing to note with apple trees, if you want to grow some in your backyard and you want them to produce fruit, you want to have um, several varieties or at least two different varieties within a couple hundred feet of each other. Um, if, you, if you don't have two um, different varieties next to each other, they won't bear fruit. Um, and um, you can also extend your harvest time by planting several varieties. Um, one of the most popular varieties available that we carry is uh, the Fuji apples. Um, they're super, super pretty. They produce a nice pink fragrant flower in the spring, and uh, the foliage is nice and green. It'll come out um, after the blooms, and then you'll get an abundance of flowers or apples in the summer. Um, they're firm and crisp, have a nice sweet and tart flavor, um, and it's like a medium-sized red apple, and they will. this is kind of the time now to harvest them October. That's Another great. Fuji apples, nice and red. We love those. And this next one, it's bright red, too. Yeah, another red one is the, the Gala apple. Um, it's an, another one that kind of has nice um, pink buds, but they open into white flowers, bright white flowers. Um, you'll get, you know, like you said, those bright red. It's kind of a red striped skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, all, it's pretty aromatic as well. Um, the apples, they're another medium size, very crisp. Um, this one you would harvest in mid-August. So see, this is why it's so important to plant these apple trees now if you've got the space for them. And like Jordan's saying, it's really important to have two different varieties, just like with blueberry bushes, so that they can pollinate one another. But planting it now, giving it a chance to get established so that it can put on all these buds and blooms in the springs that we have apples a year from now. And there's a couple other popular types, or at least one more, right? Yeah, the last one I'll talk about is the Honeycrisp apple. That's another uh, really popular one. Um, that we we certainly carry. Um, it's another um, gorgeous variety, of green foliage, um, and you'll get white blossoms in the spring. Um, the apples will mature to a red color, um, but it's blushed with a little bit of yellow as well. So it's it's a really pretty one. Um, it's a it's a very crispy apple, as you get from the name. Um, very juicy um, and a, another tart sweetness. Um, this one you harvest in September. All right, and Jordan, you're an expert here, and this weekend, right now, maybe a little muddy. It's hard to kind of dig a hole, (laughs) but say, you know, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got some time. Give us best advice, just some basic 
tips on how to properly dig this hole to plant these trees. We don't want to mess that up. Uh, yeah, certainly. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, you, you pick your area and you clear it out, remove all the weeds, all the grass, um, try to find a nice four-foot diameter circle. Um, you dig your hole. You want your hole to be um, twice the diameter of the root system or the root ball, and then you can dig your hole about two feet deep. Um, you'll uh, spread your roots into the soil, make sure they're not crowded or twisted, um, and then you'll cover the roots um, firmly with soil and soil amendment, break up this Georgia clay and remove air pockets. Uh, and then you just want to reg regularly water, um, and that's how you're going to establish a nice healthy root system. Um, and this is a fine time to go ahead and do that now. Um, you won't get the fruit now with the new tree, but you can get those roots established this time of year so that um, they're ready to go next spring. Um, into their growing season. And there at Pike Nursery, Jordan, I know y'all have got really good products for all of that and some root starter as well that's going to help mm -hmm. those plants. And very quickly, since we're talking about trees, and that's a big investment, and that's just not only out of the pocketbook, but a time investment as well. So I want you to give folks that little bit of assurance, that guarantee that Pike has with the lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs. Yeah, certainly. You know, stop in this weekend as soon as you can. We'll help you select your apple trees. If, um, and also, if you don't want to plant them, we can do it for you through our pick and plant service. Um, and they fall under the guarantee, as you're saying. Um, we have a lifetime guarantee on all trees and shrubs. Um, so fruit trees fall into that category. Uh, so stop on in. That makes me happy. We'll go see Jordan at the store on Crossville on Highway 92 there in Ross. We'll get his autograph. Tell him you heard him on the show this morning. <laughs> well, y'all have a great day. I appreciate your time, Jordan. Thanks so much, Ashley. Have a great weekend. Thank you. I always make the managers laugh when I say that, but they do. They sign autographs. It's incredible there at Pike Nursery. And go to pikenursery.com to find a location near you and see some awesome pictures. 404-872-0750. Marjorie in Douglasville. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. I Somebody gave me an orchid for my birthday, and I've never had one before. And I was fine for about three months, and then all the blooms fell off, mm -hmm. and the stem turned brown, and that's it. Now what do I do now? Is it going to come back or not? Now it is not a lost cause. I, I have promised for you that it's still okay. So orchids, we love getting them in the grocery stores and in the nurseries and things like that because they've got those beautiful blooms on them. And yeah, it's like one of those plants. You can enjoy the blooms for a month or two. I mean, they really hang on to the flowers for some time and it's totally natural for them to drop totally natural for then the stem to kind of die back a little bit but are your leaves still like a really nice green color yes they're doing fine mm -hmm. all right so marjorie when you just look online for orchid care you know folks say like drop the ice cube in the orchid and that's how you water it i personally have not had success with that what i do you know you've got the orchid in a clear little container, and then oftentimes that clear plastic container is dropped into like the nicer pot. Yes. You know? So what I do is I keep that, the orchid that's in the clear plastic, I keep that just intact as it is in the pot and fill that up with water. Fill it all the way to the top with water, and I let those roots and everything soak for about an hour. I do it once a week. And so one of the, the most fatal things for orchids and where we fail is just not watering correctly. We either do it too much or just forget about it and do too little. So if you'll soak that with water, let it stay there for about an hour, just do that once a week. Right now, you're not going to have any blooms and that's okay. And once you get better with orchid care, you may have it bloom two times a year, which is really, really good. And then fertilizing maybe once a month and maybe not right now because it's not generating the new stem yet. 
to put on the new flowers. But when you do start to see a new stem, go ahead and cut that dead stem back, by the way. But when you start to see a new stem uh, using a very, very, very light orchid fertilizer about once a month is going to make it so happy and also just the right light as well. So it just naturally likes a high light if you can put it in a bright, sunny window. That is great. I think you're doing just fine, Marjorie. Don't be discouraged. Just watering is so important. So maybe every Wednesday or something like that that's pretty routine, you can remember to soak that in water. Up next, we've got Julian and Tucker. Hey, Julian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I had a question about daffodil bulbs and how to plant them. And I'll, I'll go into a brief history a number of years ago, I bought one of those large stacks of bulbs, uh-huh. put them out in my yard uh, in the fall. In the spring, they came up. They were beautiful. So the next year, I followed up. I thought, I'm going to do this again. Got another sack, put them out. The next spring, they all came up nice, lush, and green. The new ones I planted created flowers, but the first initial planting did not produce any flowers. I tried this a third year. Same thing, except the first two batches never produced flowers, but so, the last one did. So you'll get flowers for one year as the bulb is new, and then you're finding in subsequent years no flowers. Exactly. However, the the, plant, the, the, the fronds or whatever you want to call them that come up are very healthy and green and lush. Hmm. And so you're expecting something, but nothing ever happens. And so I don't know if it's planting depth. Yeah, and when you're doing new plantings, you're not disturbing those original ones. Like when you came back in year three, are the ones from year one and two still just kind of left alone where you originally put them? Not at all. I I have designated areas, and I don't disturb the areas where I initially had planted, so I I know that's not an issue. Okay, yep, because transplanting can stress them out, so that's not your problem there. So there are a number of reasons why daffodils may not bloom, and you said the leaves are looking great. So I think the planting depth may not have been the problem. Um, If they go without being fed for a little bit, I mean, that's going to be just the most obvious thing is giving it that food and maybe a 5-10-10 fertilizer rather than 10-10-10, something a little lower in nitrogen, 5-10-10 and broadcast that because maybe feeding it with something too high in nitrogen could also kind of be harmful to the bloom cycle and maybe not enough sun too. Sure, the leaves are you know, doing just fine and they don't struggle to come up at all. But if we don't have them in enough sun, that's going to be a problem too. So half a day of sun at least. I mean, I don't think they really like full, full sun, but they need a little more than partial sun and also nothing around them to compete with any of that food or right up on top of a tree where, I mean, I know the roots aren't really the same depth, but you don't want anything competing in that. And make sure planting depth is important just so far as not going too deep. And that's why we like those little bulb diggers that we just stick right down into the ground, pull it right up, and that's usually the right depth for that. They can go, I think, a little bit deeper, daffodils, than some other things where you just want to leave the nose right up above the soil. So maybe go ahead and check some of them out. Make sure they're not too deep, but a good you know, broadcast of fertilizer coming up in maybe February, March, 5, 10, 10, and really evaluate that sun, Julian, and just make sure half a day of sun at least and not in too shady of a spot. I'm glad you called. Good luck and don't give up on it. We'll have time when we get back, hopefully for Sheila and Alpharetta and Charlie and Duluth about a pomegranate tree. We'll be right back on Green and Growing on WSB.
And if you're just tuning in, you missed a pretty packed show. So I want to direct you to WSBRadio.com and you click on On Demand. And there, almost as soon as the show's over today, you can go back and listen to each hour of the show separately. So I appreciate if you do that. And we're also on Google Play and Spotify. If you search Green and Growing WSB, you can go back and listen to the show. And like the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB is all you search on Facebook. We've got a lot of photos there, some of your great questions, information from the Georgia Forest Commission and so much more. So a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today you're waking up to scattered showers, a high only in the mid-70s and isolated strong storms possible at night. 60% chance for showers that are likely tomorrow as well. High over almost 80 and lows in the mid-60s. So I did want to take time to take just a few more calls if we can. Sheila and Alpharetta, hey, how can I help? Hey, I wasn't wanted to know what is the pre-emergent that I put out to prevent chickweed and also is it safe for bees? Um, what do you what grass do you have? It's in natural area. Oh okay so you can do a pre-emergent what the the prime chemical for this it is a broadleaf weed chickweed is a broadleaf weed but the pre-emergent chemical I've, I've looked it up and I'm gonna have to spell it for you isoxaben so it's I-S-O-X A-S-O-X-A-B-E-N. And do you know if it's safe for bees? I don't know, and I don't want to speak on that and speak incorrectly. Um, That's the pre-emergent. That's the active ingredient you're going to want. And you're thinking proactively and getting ahead of that, which is really, really good, using it as a pre-emergent. For those of you, though, that have chickweed, this broadleaf weed in your lawns already, just look for any products like BioAdvanced has their Southern Weed Killer for lawns. It says broadleaf on the packaging. And also Bonide has Weed Beater Ultra. Same kind of thing where you just look for broadleaf weed killer and that's going to be effective. You've got to be careful, though, what chemicals you apply to fescue lawns if you've got chickweed and just making sure, you know, if you're just now seeding for that fescue, you want to be super, super careful. But in warm season grasses, spot spraying, it is going to be just fine. Thanks for the call, Sheila and Charlie and Duluth. I think I'm going to run out of time, but planting a pomegranate tree and needs help. That's something that's going to be so much fun. This is the time of year to do it. Site selection is most important considering sun exposure and all of that. At least six hours of direct sunlight a day. And if you'll hang tight, Charlie, I'm going to get your email address and send you more. A great publication from the University of Georgia where you can make sure you plant it just right. And then, of course, going forward, fertilizing, pruning and all of that. My thanks to so many folks with the show today. Of course, Justin and DeMarco here with me getting the show on the air. Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission wants you to check out the leaf color. Just search the hashtag GA Leaf Watch and you're going to find great pictures over the next few weeks of how beautiful our state really is. Lance Walheim with BioAdvance. Walter Reeves, of course, joined us. We talked about fall weed care and prevention, so you definitely want to check that out if you go back and listen to the first hour of the show. It's been a great Saturday morning. Go Dogs hosting the tennis see volunteers kick off at 3 30 today and i think a happy birthday is in order to dave baker he's coming up next on the home fix it show i'm ashley frasca have a good weekend talk soon this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.